This is the Business Storytelling Podcast with Christoph Trapp, available on Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and other podcast channels. Want to play it on your iPhone? Just ask Siri to play the Christoph Trapp Business Storytelling Podcast, also available on Alexa. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Hey, business storytellers, it's Christoph Trapp, your host and author of Content Performance Culture. Thanks for listening to another episode. Really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, Today, I want to talk about systems of storytelling. How do you come up with them? What system should you follow? Uh, As many of you know, I grew up in journalism, and you know what our system was? Uh, We saw a story, we wrote it up, we put it in the paper, and there it was. Um, and today's guest is Park Howell. He has the uh, Business of Storytelling podcast. I don't know if I said that right. He can correct me when he comes on. And uh, recently came out with his latest book, Brand Bewitchery, How to Wield the Story Cycle System to Craft Spellbinding Stories for Your Brand. Park, how's it going? Christoph, it's going great. Thanks for having me here. You bet. And of course, we've known each other for, for many years. I was a guest on your show, um, the Business of Storytelling Story Podcast, right? Correct. That's the right name. Yeah, Business of Story. You got it. Fantastic. Um, so check that out if you want to. Also, I think I forgot to mention this uh, in the introduction. Uh, his book, check it out at ctrap.online forward slash park. Uh, much easier to remember than Amazon.com, blah, 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 you know, <laughs> 59,000 letters. So, Park, <laughs> Park, tell us about the new book. What inspired you to write it? What's, what is it about? And uh, let's dive in. Yeah, well, <clears throat> thanks for having me. And that's a Park without an E. And I only tell you that because someone asked me the other day, do you spell it with an E at the end? I go, nope, it's just P-A-R-K. My new book is Brand Bewitchery. It's been in the creation for about, well, 15 years, been writing on it for six years and testing it around the world. But it's a system that I created to help brands develop a brand strategy that communicates what they stand for. So they stand out, but uses proven storytelling techniques so that they can hack through the noise and hook the hearts of audiences. And what is a, like, give me an example of a proven strategy, like what, what works to, to hook the hearts of the audiences? It's funny, Christoph, you know, you think about it, you in in journalism, and we're probably taught the inverted pyramid style, as I was when I was studying journalism way back in the day, and certain frameworks and techniques you use to tell a story. Well, in the business world, you think about it, when were, were you or any of your listeners ever taught how to actually and functionally tell a compelling story? The answer is pretty much never. So what happens is we lead with our logical, left-brain, rational mind, and we tend to just vomit a bunch of features, functions with a little bit of benefits dropped into it, and we think we're telling a story when in actuality we aren't. What happens is we lead with our logical, rational brain, and we don't tell a story. We just talk about features and functions with a little bit of benefit thrown in, and we are generally on a very generalized course in communicating. What story does is makes you think like a homo sapien, like a human being, and boil it down to a single moment in time about an impact on a single person that your brand or your product or service offering may have made. 
And it's got to be a true story. So I should take the may out of there and say, absolutely has made. Because when you lead with a story like that, you actually hook into the limbic system or subconscious of your audience in a problem solution dynamic. So it has them aroused and they sit up to listen like, okay, well, here's the problem. How did you solve it? And it is basic in our DNA that we are attracted to that kind of storytelling because we live vicariously through the central character in the story to learn what we would do in case of whatever is happening to them happens to us. That is the bottom line, and that's why stories work. They are not a brochure. It's not a litany of, of again, features and functions. Stories are about moments in time where you have had real-world impact on an individual. And so why, I mean, obviously we're talking about um, related topics to what you just said all the time on here. And everybody, I mean, a lot of people are talking about, let's tell better stories, let's, let's do this and blah, 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 let's be authentic. But why is it so hard for brands to even do this? I mean, I certainly got some theories, uh, you know, office politics. Uh, have you seen the Twitter joke that goes around and it said something like, I have... Uh, email marketing jokes, but they get caught in spam or something. Uh, <laughs> you know, so my so so my joke was, um, I got content marketing jokes, but they're still being approved by twenty five editors. Um, <laughs> yeah, which dilute your content, by the way. <laughs> don't get me going. So why why is it so hard? Why do we need to keep telling people to you know tell better stories? Here's how you do it. Here's the model. Here's the system. Here are the steps. What's the like? Why is it not becoming second nature fear plain and simple i'm afraid i'm going to look dumb i'm afraid that i'm going to be vulnerable i'm afraid nobody likes my story and the fact of the matter is nobody in business ever gives you the permission to come out and just tell a story connect on a very human level because they feel like as they would call it the soft skill well, if organizing people and getting them to buy into a concerted vision or a mission through a really powerful story is a soft skill, I'll take that soft skill over your hard analytical skills every single time. And it just goes back to the fact that we don't teach this stuff in business school. We don't teach it in college. We don't teach it in high school. And yet we are all homo sapiens. And what we have in common are our storytelling capabilities and ability. We just tend to check them at the door when we step into any sort of bureaucracy or business because we feel like it doesn't have a place in business. And yet I am a firm believer and I've seen it in action. I've seen it grown companies by as much as 600%. I've seen it uh, create retention gains for uh, employees by 10, 15, and 20% because leaders are using story to connect with them on a very human level. I believe, Christoph, I'll make this statement here that I do on so many shows, is that storytelling is the most underutilized yet valuable asset in a business today. People just aren't taught how to actually use them. So I think part of it, Park, is so this is back from a mentor, Chuck Peters, who used to be the uh, CEO and chairman of a media company. And he always said, the problem innovation or, you know, community building or really a lot of new things is that in school we're taught to be right and to be right. <laughs> Don't mm -hmm. be wrong. Don't be wrong. And then the other thing is whoever gets to the right answer first wins. 
And in storytelling, especially, I mean, I've noticed this too, one of the, some of the things I share, there is no right or wrong. And once you have a real audience, there will always be some people who will hate you for whatever reason. Like Christoph is too bald or his head is too round or, you know, he uses one word more than I like it to be used or whatever. Um, so I think, I mean, do you think that's one problem that we, where we grow up in this culture where, you know, we're trying to learn what the right thing is. And when you tell a story, when you try to get in front of people, especially distribution is a whole nother topic. Uh, it's just, uh, there's no right or wrong answer, right? There is, what's the answer for your brain and then for your audience? Well, I think you're right, dead on. So we're trying to look smart. And in this age of rage, where everyone is ready to call out anything you have to say, and, you know, throw rocks and stones at you. And yeah, it does tend to quiet people. But why wouldn't you use a proven algorithm to communication that our brains have been using since the very first recorded story? You know, in that same algorithm that is used over and over and over again. And so, for instance, I've been in the advertising branding world for 35 years, and I ran my own ad agency for 20 of those years. I started studying story very in-depthly almost 20 years ago. But before that, we would create TV campaigns and radio campaigns and this sort of thing. And like, for instance, one we did for Goodwill of Central Arizona. We had two spots, and I loved them both, two 30-second TV commercials, and I loved them both as my kids. One spot polled really, really, really well to the tune of like a 40% increase in visits, store visits when we would run it. The other spot didn't poll at all. I mean, it barely even moved the needle. And it wasn't until I studied story did I go back and look at those two commercials and realized why one worked and one didn't. The first one that pulled by 40% used a story in it. it. It had a story structure. Before I even really knew what the structure was, we just intuitively knew how to tell that story, and it worked unbelievably well. The second one was just a creative uh, exhibition of look at how smart and creative we are as an agency. We're going to win a bunch of awards for this spot. It's so cool. People are just going to gravitate to it. Didn't work at all probably one of those things I looked at it like, well, that's cool. What's that type thing? When, since I've researched and studied story after all these years and in the writing of the book, I can go back and look and say, I know that first one worked because it told a story in this story framework. The second one did not. So what I tell people is I want to move you from an intuitive storyteller, which we all are. We intuitively used stories in that first one. We didn't in the second one. I want you to move from an intuitive storyteller to an intentional storyteller using these proven frameworks that I have found over the years that work for everything from social media posts to TV commercials to long form presentations. That to me is the pivot that needs to be made. And the vacuum that I'm working in is that nobody teaches this. Nobody in business school teaches this sort of thing. And so that's what I do now with the business of stories. I teach people how to use these proven frameworks to excel literally through the stories they tell. And of course, they can dive into that in your new book as well. Ah, yes. Brand Bewitchery takes you through the three main frameworks I use. The first one is the story cycle system, which is a 10-step process 
derived from Joseph Campbell's hero's journey mapped to business and helped you put together a narrative framework so that you can tell your story like a Hollywood screenwriter would you know, write a movie, but it's much simpler. It's really focused on business. The next one is the five primal elements to a short story for big impact. How you use these five primal elements of time stamp, location stamp, central character, action slash surprise, that leads to your aha business moment and how you sprinkle those in through your communication. But again, they're true stories about a real person, the impact you make on them in a moment. And then the final most foundational framework I teach is called the and, but, and therefore three perfect, you know, three act story structure of and is the statement of agreement set up. The but, here's the problem we're solving for is act two. And the therefore is <coughs> Here's how we solve it. You can tell that little framework in under 20 seconds using these, this proven uh, problem solution story dynamic. So, of course, the book ctrap.online forward slash park, P-A-R-K, no E, just like my <laughs> you name. Get that. Uh, sometimes people say that to me, too, is you're Christoph with an E. And I'm that's like, right. I don't know yeah. why anybody thinks that. What's interesting, and, and you can tell me if that's how you refer to the hero or not, but. Uh, so for many, many years, I always hate it when people said, oh, the hero, make the customer the hero. I'm like, what does that even mean? I don't get it. And the, and, and, but I do actually agree with the concept. So when J.J. Peterson was on the show, he wrote uh, Marketing Made Simple with Donald Miller. Um, he, he reframed it for me. And he basically talked about, uh, you know, what is the problem you're solving for the customer? And then you you tell a story around that. That's basically how, he, and it just made so much sense mm -hmm. to me. It, I mean, do you agree with that statement, or is there a different definition for? Yeah, that no, <clears throat> I use hero. It's just a metaphor. You know, it's just yep. placing someone. It makes the brand realize that they are not the hero of the journey. They are not the center of the story. Your customer always is. And to your point, it's about that problem that you're solving on their behalf. And what Donald Miller has done with StoryBrand is great. It's a nice little marketing tool without a doubt. Mine is different, um, Brand Bewitchery, because it takes you deeper into what your brand is actually all about. And how do you stand out or what do you stand for so that you stand out? And then how do you tell that story in long form, in short form, in little sound bites? And so, yeah, we, we are in total agreement that your customer is the center of the story. You are always about solving a problem, but that's not enough anymore. It's like, how can you compellingly tell that story that demonstrates how you're different and more distinctive than any of your competition that is out there saving base, or solving basically the same problem? So, so Park, how do we how do we do that? So I'll just think about it this way, right? I mean, I have all kinds of stories. I tell stories all day long, and it's interesting because it's so much easier to tell my own stories, right? Like, and I even see this when I'm speaking, uh, which of course doesn't happen any <laughs> right. any time yep. right now, the second because we're all stuck at home. But um, you know, I say, well, here's how I did that. Here's what happened with me. Here's how I felt about it. And sometimes I got a client story I could literally just use or I could reframe that. But it is easier just to talk about yourself, even when you try to use it as a good example, right? How do, how do brains get out of that? How do we get out of the whole model of thinking it's just about us um, and, and not keep falling back on that? What tips do you have? Well, the one question, 
who's my audience? So getting really super focused on who the audience is, whether you're standing in front of them for a presentation or you're creating that 30 second commercial for them or whatever that communication is, boil it down to that singular audience. Then ask yourself the next three questions. What do I want them to think, feel, and do? So I've got my number one audience. This is who I'm talking to. When I'm done, what do I want them to think? That I'm smart, that they're in the right place at the right time, that, gosh, this is an offer I shouldn't pass up. What do I want them to feel? Do I want them to feel excited, optimistic, empowered, fearful, whatever that is? And then what do I ultimately want them to do with this information? What's that very next step? Now, you're I'm saying this, I missed really the very first question we talked about earlier is what problem are you solving for? But that's inherent in your communication for the most part. You are in the brand marketing world, so I help brands you know, solve that problem. Or I'm in the scotch tape business, so I help customers use tape to bind things. I know what my problem is, but now I typically have several different audiences I want to be talking to. But instead of me talking at them, I want to break them up into my individual audience. And I ask myself, I'm solving this problem for this audience. What in this communication do I want them to think, feel, and do? And the only re way to get them, especially to do that feel and do, is through a powerful emotive story that hooks them and says, yeah, they're just like me. I need to do that. And there's no litany of bullet points and data and charts and graphs and PowerPoints that will get people to that action. Only a story, in my experience, will do that. So you mentioned the term a couple of times now, real people, which is, is interesting. I agree with you. And of course, I grew up in journalism, so I'm very journalistic uh, uh, tilted anyways, right? Who is, who do we talk to? Who is the expert? What's the story? Blah, blah, blah. What's new? Like you can do entire interviews asking one question, what's new, <laughs> right? <laughs> mm -hmm. And, um, but I also see a, a trend a little bit in some industries um, and, and, and I think some marketing teams where they like come up with, like they, they have a composite of customers, right? Like one person, represents every problem and then they use that as the story or um, it's kind of made up but even if it's not it's, it's close to being made up what's the importance of having a real person actually have that happen to them or the the product solve their problem um, in, in storytelling well i think it's hugely important because our brains again as homo sapiens relate to people we don't relate to organizations and brands and bureaucracy. We relate to individuals. So I think it was Stalin that said a million deaths or one death is a catastrophe. A million deaths is a statistic. Our brains cannot comprehend big numbers. We want to get it boiled down to a single individual. So today, as a matter of fact, about 10 a.m. this morning out here in Arizona, I was on a call getting prepared for a webinar I'm doing tomorrow for the supply chain industry. And I'm teaching the five primal elements of story in that. And they brought on one of their uh, in industry members and she shared a story. 
and we're going to coach and work on that tomorrow. Well, the story was about, she said, oh, it happened about a year and a half ago, and it was for this healthcare organization, and they wanted to be more efficient and turn volume around much quicker, but we only had three months to do this, and so we came in, and we rolled our sleeves up, and we got it done, and they were so happy when it's all said and done that it's been a huge success, and we share that with everyone. And I say, well, that's not a story. That's just a high-level, generalized outline of what happened. And that's the way most business people think and work. It's just the way we're taught. So I said, well, who is the central character? I mean, who is buying from you? Who was at the center of the story and just protect the names of the innocent? I'll just call him John. And she said, oh, it was John, you know, director of distribution. Oh, okay. So why did John call you? And we started digging deeper. And we found out what the real crux of the problem was John was facing. And because John, the director of distribution, was facing it, the entire gigantic healthcare system was facing it. He was at the point. And so we walked through what was his aha moment. How did you help him overcome that? And then, you know, what was your resolution to it? So what we did is we took that high level generalized outline of a show or a story and boiled it down to an individual. One second, I got my dog barking here. <laughs> and, and you and you know, I oh man, oh off, man, what's that? <laughs> and, and and you know what? No, nobody cares anymore when dogs are barking. The other day, somebody was playing. A- <laughs> piano in the background it's it's the new world we're in it's cool you know i was interviewing peter horton he's the executive producer of new amsterdam and gray's anatomy and he was a star on 30 something way back in the day and he'll be on my show next week but in the background all of a sudden his dog started going crazy and barking and he's hollering at the dog and his daughter to quiet the dog and whatever and i ended up leaving that in the show because i thought it was kind of cute the humanity of it all (laughs) <laughs> no, no, nobody cares anymore, I don't think. <laughs> no, but the point of what I, I was trying to make is it went from talking about this organization, this healthcare organization that nobody gives a crap about and what they help them overcome, which nobody gives a crap about because we haven't set the stakes, the true human impact. So John, at the center of this story, what was he going through and how did you solve his problem? And then representatively, in solving his problem, you solve the problem for the whole organization. That's the power of a singular story with the specifics of having a soul at the center of the story that your audience can relate to and live vicariously through. So uh, when you tell stories through real people, though, you have to talk to real people, right? So. Mm-hmm. And, and where I'm going with this, I mean, even the other day I heard somebody, and, and I'm a big believer in, as you know, in a content performance culture, which everybody can check out at contentperformance.online. But there is a fine line between just pushing out crap and actually telling a good story. I mean, not a fine line. That's a very defined line. But um, sometimes I hear from people and they say, well, I need my writers to write 10 articles a week or five articles a week or whatever. And I'm like, how do they have the time to even talk to the people? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. That's a great point. (laughs) And the, the exec, executive or whomever, director, manager, whoever's lead the team will go, well, but but they can just write. I'm like, they can't just write. Like, you have to come up. Like, in, in the journalism world, I mean, we would talk about the reporting. Talk to the cops or I talk to who put it together. 
I mean, you need that as well, right? In corporate America, you can't just sit at your desk and pretend you know how to tell a story about something you don't know much about. Yeah, we send people on story spotting exhibitions or expeditions, uh -huh. I should say. And I ask them, like, you've got brand pillars. So give me your brand pillars. It could be three, five, ten of them. Who cares? Each one of those brand pillars is typically one word descriptor or a very short line descriptor of the brand and say, now go find stories that demonstrate this pillar in action of customer service customer loyalty, vendor relations, NGOs, whatever it is. Use that brand pillar descriptor as a theme for a story and then bring back a real story that demonstrates that descriptor in action. And if they have their sales team do that, say everyone come back with three stories that, you know, on any of these one words. Next thing you know, you've got 30 stories to work from. And these aren't made up ad copy, you know, creative you know, blahs. These are true stories about the real world impact you make on customers' lives. And they become absolutely invaluable. And in the process, in revealing these stories, your people learn so much more about their customers, about themselves, about the camaraderie and teamwork internally. But all these stories, they're like gold mines. They're sitting in every organization. You just have to start digging just a little bit. They're not even that far underneath the surface. You just have to intentionally go and find them. You have to get out of your office and talk to people. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. it, is, it is literally the old journalism mantra, right? Mm -hmm. If you have a newsroom full of reporters, they're not, most of the time, they're not reporting. I mean, sometimes they can be today because of social media and, and, and phones and whatnot, but, uh, but sometimes you do have to go and see people. Uh, Park, a few episodes ago, we had, I, I don't even know how many, but in the recent past this year, Mael Rott was on the show and he he grew up on the marketing side based in Dusseldorf, Germany. And he said, um, I think marketers need to steal more from journalists. So so, he, so I said, what do you mean by that? He says, well, basically you have marketers, they come up with a plan and then they stick to the plan. We do this on this day, this on that day. Journalists, they go, what do we cover today? We have to cover something. What's the story? Like, let's go and find the story. Kind of what you just said, right? Go find the story. Uh, so we're, I mean, how, how, how do you feel about that? Is it, uh, some people say, you know, you're, you're too, that's too difficult for marketers to do that every day. And it is stressful when you do that every day. But is there, do you agree with that to an extent? Like make it a mission to go find a story every twice a week or three times a week or what's a good cadence if you don't do oh, it yeah. every day? Yeah. I mean, all it does, it just takes you to sit down and think, find some peace and quiet. And these stories will start materializing in my book, Brand Bewitchery in chapter seven, when I talk about the journey and this is a <clears throat> two pronged journey, it's not only the customer journey, but it's also the journey your team takes to find its stories. There's an exercise in there that you can do. And I'll share it with your listeners right now because they can do it right when we're done. So the output of this exercise is going to give you the roadmap to go and find these stories, and you'll be surprised at how quickly they start popping up in front of you. I call it the OOH exercise, O-O-O-H, like OOH, that's cool, right? Mm -hmm. Three categories. Every O has a category to it. O, organization. O, your offering, and O, outcomes. Find three words that 
describe your organization. Find three words that describe your offering, whether that's a product or service. Find three words that describe the outcome. What do you make happen in your customers' lives? You now have nine words. Go and find one story for each one of those words, how this shows up in your life, you know, at the office. So maybe innovation. Innovation is always one of the words people put, throw out there. So I'm just going to throw out our organization is innovative. And then I always try to say, okay, let's find a more interesting way to say innovative because everybody says that. But since everybody says that, let's use it for this show. Innovation. Go and find one story that shows us, that indicates, that supports the fact that you are an innovative company. Maybe it's something you did innovatively with your team. Maybe it's an innovation you brought to a customer. But now, using the five primal elements of story, timestamp, when did this happen? We're talking about a moment in time. Location stamp, where did it happen? Who is the central character of the story that your audience can relate to and live vicariously through? So is it a customer, a singular customer, an employee, a vendor, whatever? What happened that showed this action? What was taking place? And then surprise came out of this action that indicated and demonstrated how innovative you thought or how innovative you delivered with your product or service that then makes your business point for you. They start looking at innovation. Next thing you know, you have three or four or five different stories just on innovation alone. And that is going to make your story powerful. So let me give you, let me give you an example. For the business of story, under organization, one of my words is industriousness, hard work, work ethic. In fact, on my book, I call myself, because a client called me this once, the world's most industrious storyteller. So industry, industriousness is a term I use. My dad one day, about four years ago, we're sitting in our home where I grew up in Seattle, Washington, and he was looking at me in the late 80s at this point, and he was saying, I don't understand business, and what do you do exactly, and how do you use storytelling in business and whatever? And I said, Dad, well, for instance, and I pointed outside the window, and there's we lived on 12 acres up there that my mom still lives on today. And we, as kids, had to build all the fencing that went around there for our horses and some little some cows. This is a ranchette up there. And then one uh, post, a cedar post, was still out there that I had put in the ground, gosh, I don't know, 40, over 40 years ago. And I said, Dad, see that post right there? And he goes, yep. I go, I will never forget the day when I was about 12 years old, and it was a wet, uh, a wet rainy Wednesday afternoon, and I was digging fence posts out there after school, and I was feeling sorry for myself. And you drove in, parked the car, and came across with a big smile and said, hey, Park, how you doing? And I started whining to you. And all you said to me, Dad, was pick up that shovel or someone else will. And you turned around and walked off. Now, my dad was a Depression-era kid, grew up in North Dakota with literally nothing. And he became a very successful civil engineer, and he taught us hard work, and work ethic. So I use that little story, and I use it everywhere. And I told my dad, I said, I use that story in presentations and in businesses. He goes, really? How come? And I said, because what has more power? Me sitting here and saying, I will bring 110% to your project. I will work my butt off. I have unbelievable work ethic. Or if I told you a short little anecdotal story about how I learned my work ethic. And he's like, oh, I get it. So he says, personal stories work in business too. 
And I go, absolutely. They're like the strongest concoction for communication you'll ever have. Absolutely. So what are some tips to find some stories though? I mean, so for example, I hear these uh, little fights, we'll call them that, between sales and marketing, right? Like marketing wants to talk to some some customers and sales doesn't let them or blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. like nothing is ever easy. What, how, how do we get, how do we find the stories other than Googling? What, what tips do you have? Yeah, I, I really think it is like you had said earlier, you just simply have to sit down across from people, find common ground. So if, it, if you're in marketing and you're fighting that salesperson or you're the sales gal and you're pushing off that marketing person, sit down and find common ground and say, look, at, we're all in this together. And the more we can ignite sales, the better we are all going to be. The old way to do that no longer works because people want to be engaged emotionally in story. So who do you have right now that I could talk to that is trying to do this or this or this? Or if you're the marketing person and you're asking the salesperson, what's your biggest challenge? What's the biggest hassle for closing that you just seem like you can't overcome? When they tell you what that problem is, you say, well, let's see if we could find a story that you could share that helps you overcome that problem and then give them an example of a story in action. But I think when you can bring those sales and marketing people together and show and they learn, they build trust and they say, you know, when we actually work together to find these stories, craft them and share them, we actually all are better off. But the stories just aren't that far away. It, to practice it, you know, go home tonight and sit, have your beverage of choice and think about something that happened today a powerful little story that really had some little impact on you. It could be just a moment that you realize something, or it could be this conversation I had with Christoph and he asked this question about what's the fine line of being an intentional storyteller and an intuitive one. And, and, and what did that bring up in your mind as kind of an aha learning lesson, a truth. I did a whole TEDx talk on this. Stop looking for your stories and start finding your scenes those moments that have shaped who you are today, when you knit those scenes together, your story will find you. Find those moments, find the scenes, and in those are the stories you're looking for to share. Park, of course, you have a podcast. I have a podcast. You have a, a couple books. I have, I have a couple books. Uh, you know, we have websites. I blog, et cetera, et cetera. Um, virtual reality video, guys. I did that last year quite a bit. There's a whole chapter in the book, uh, contentperformance.online, how to do VR video with just your iPhone. It's becoming cheaper and cheaper. I'm always amazed, Park, when people can quote the book chapters. I have no idea what chapter it is. <laughs> um, it's in there somewhere. Um, so, but my question to you is, what what are the best uh, content types today? What's uh, Where should people tell their story? And, and I really... I would hope the answer is not it depends, <laughs> but but what's the best what's the best content asset type? Well, I'll put it that way instead of saying what channel. Let me ask your question or answer your question with a question: Who's your audience? Where do they like to get their information? How do they like to consume their information? I mean, that is it's a great question you ask, Christoph, because we do have so many unbelievable channels available to us. But, and I'm not going to use the D word, it all revolves around 
who your audience is, you know them, understand them, empathize with them, and how do they like to consume their content? Could be video, could be a podcast. Really, I think the answer is a, 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 a strategy that incorporates a couple, three, maybe four different channels with the story pivoting on each channel or delivered a little bit differently on each channel. So maybe you're telling a story about selling a B2B product offering. And you are going to write that longer form white paper article and post it on LinkedIn. And it's going to have a decided business tone to it, but you can have a call to action to come to my website and download my how-to guide on how to do virtual reality video in under, under three minutes. Then you're going to go to Instagram. Of course, you're going to tell that same story, but you can tell it maybe in Instagram story or in a clever little photo with a little, you know, <clears throat> post to it and that post can use the and button therefore framework you're not telling a story in it but you are using story framework a problem solution to help hook through them now you jump over to youtube and i'm going to actually videotape this and have something on youtube so although you don't like the d word it does depend on where your audience is and how they like to consume content Oh yeah, of course. I I know it all depends, and um, <laughs> <laughs> but your story doesn't have to change. But, it's just how you tell but, it changes. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's basically it's basically the cope model, right? How do you create once, publish everywhere, and and adjust it to the different channels? I personally still think the written word matters for many many reasons. Um, on your website, uh, even the books, uh, I think a book is fantastic if your audience needs that and uh, it certainly builds credibility uh, but I also I love podcast part and here's the reason why because it's really hard to fake being nice if you're a jerk <laughs> do you know I what like, I mean yep I do know what you mean <laughs> so it's it's really uh, it's really nice to interview experts they can come across as you know authoritative and as friendly as they are depending on what the industry is that's more important than that you might think. Um, so let me ask you this final question perhaps here. Earlier you mentioned it's hard for some companies to do because nobody will like my story. And of course that's not, it can't be a true statement, right? Somebody will like it. Not everybody will hate it. Not everybody will love it. But how do we get, so for me, it took me a while to get over that, to realize that not everybody will love me. Uh, in fact, I got to the point where I published my own video, the mean tweets video by Christoph Trapp, you know, like <laughs> they do on Jimmy Kimmel. Mm -hmm. And I just, uh, I publish all my, uh, most of my negative speaking feedback. I mean, there's obviously good speaking feedback too, or nobody would ever ask me to speak. <laughs> right. um, but, but I've embraced the haters, I guess, for lack of a better term. How, how do companies get there? Like, or do they, um, like, how do they learn? Because let, real, like for real, right? If the bigger your audience, the more haters you will have. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would say one, another part of my book that I, I talk about a lot is stories convey the truth that creates the trust. Now, that truth isn't always a positive thing. The truth of the matter is we get up and speak and we have some haters in the crowd. But like you did so brilliantly and courageously, you just embraced it and put it out there to the world and said, hey, here's what people are you know, saying about my speaking. When brands do that, when they really own it and say, hey, we screwed up, 
Remember Domino's? Remember way back in the day when Domino's just got raked over the coals because someone said their their uh, their crust tastes like cardboard? They came right out and they did a whole campaign around this. Oh my God, we've been selling you cardboard crust all these years. And you know what? That person was right. And so we've changed it. Well, they embraced it, but they had this truth, an ugly truth that most brands would have tried to sweep under the rug, but they embraced it. And look at the trust it creates in, in doing that. So I think brands have got to stop worrying so much about the, the wins and losses, who loves us and who doesn't love us, because your customers don't care. They just want to see the authentic you, warts and all, and they will applaud you and they will be along your side when you make missteps and admit those missteps. But that requires a storyteller. It doesn't require a salesperson, a marketer, a CEO. It takes someone that is going to de demonstrate leadership through the stories they tell to connect the worlds. So I'm a big believer that our words create worlds and our stories connect those worlds. So sometimes it's good news. Sometimes it's bad news. Just be truthful and tell these stories because that is where you're going to gain the trust. We're very well said. Park Howell, uh, the, uh, your book, Sea Trap, that online forward slash park. Check it out there. The, the latest just came out this summer. Park, where else can people find you and connect with you? Yeah, they can uh, find me at businessofstory.com and like you, I've been doing a lot of shows on my podcast. I've just celebrated my fifth anniversary. We've got 260-some shows. I think you were back in like show number 130. You were one of my early guys on, so I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, I've got everything you need to know about me and storytelling and how I coach, teach, consult, and speak on it just at businessofstory.com. Fantastic. Thanks for uh, joining me today, Park, and thanks for reconnecting. Always great to hear from you. Oh, great being here, Christoph. Thanks for having me on your show. Awesome. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Until next time. Move your content from happening to performing. That's what everybody wants nowadays in content and content marketing and marketing and all those related fields. Check out my new book, Content Performance Culture, the number one new release in the public relations category on Amazon.com when it came out. I hope you take a look. It's available as paperback and Kindle worldwide.